0: There's a couple of uh, little things that just been on my heart, and I'm not sure which direction I'm going to go in this morning, but I just want to encourage us as a church that something that God, uh, Connor, what's your name again? Connor, that Connor said uh, last week, which was so beautiful, um, was a Selah moment in in 24-7 church. It was a a moment where we just took a a, a little step back and a breath and just said, whoo, Okay, Lord, um, and he just talked about um, that God is, is everything, that uh, he's our all, that he's first. And uh, I want to encourage us, before we can launch into anything in the kingdom of God, we have to make sure that God is first. It's not a nice church name, it is the gospel, right? Amen, and nothing against it being a church name. I'm just saying it is not just a church name, it actually is the gospel and it's who we are, and it's our lives, and God entrenched that from the word go, and we have to get to that place where we can come and just surrender and say, God first. And as we come to that place, then everything else falls into place, and everything else makes sense, everything else has the right order, and then God begins to operate, because what God's wanting to do in these last days is so amazing, so powerful, so beautiful, but there needs to be the right order for him to be able to operate. So I'm encouraging every single one of you. I'm also stirring up our hearts and we need to just make sure that we took that moment out and we just said, okay, Lord. Because we've got lots of things happening and lots of needs and miracles that need happening, but there needs to be a right order in order for God to move and for God to operate. And yes, we believe in the grace of God. And we love the grace of God. and We know that he loves us and we know no matter what, but remember that he's still God. And what that word actually means to us, he's God. Right now you and I are sitting on a massive molten ball that's covered mostly with water and traveling at 108,000 kilometers an hour it is spinning. And you are still sitting there. And it's 150 million miles away from this massive ball of fire. And the Earth is spinning around this ball of fire, 150, or 1,600 kilometers an hour. So we're sitting on this molten ball co- that's covered with water, and we're spinning around, and you're sitting there, miraculously, I don't know how and you're breathing his oxygen and you got up this morning because he allowed you to breathe. And we are 150 million miles away from a ball of fire that if we're slightly closer, we are crispy bacon. And if we're a little bit further, we're ice cube. He's God. He's not my chummy, he is God. And he gives me the privilege and the honor to call him father and for me to be his son and his daughter and to love him. And he wants to just make sure that we position ourselves right, that in all of this, he takes preeminence. And that's why I'm stuck in Colossians and I wanna preach on Colossians and I wanna talk about the preeminence of Christ because I want you to understand understand something before I can get there because it's serious meat. I need to make sure that you can cut your stake. The reality is in the book of Colossians, friends, they try, Paul is trying to share something. He's trying to say, listen, guys, there's a mystery here that I need to tell you. It's an incredible mystery. Before I get to tell you the mystery, I'm just gonna tell you about Jesus. I'm telling you how powerful and wonderful Jesus is and who Jesus is. Then I'm gonna tell you the mystery and the mystery is he's inside you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And then this incredible Jesus, the preeminence, the number one, the first, who's now inside of me, it's now how I can live my life with him being first inside of me is mind blowing, humongously fantastic, awesome and beautiful. But I wanna come back before we can get there, I want us to come back to your reality and understanding that he's first. That he's first in every single one of our lives. I wish. I could take you on a journey through the Bible, the whole Bible, of how the illustration of the first is throughout the whole Bible, because if there 's not that establishment, and as Connor was talking about that he 's worth everything and course said i can't Paul said call paul, paul said i can 't everything as rubbish that I might know him. He put him as preeminence, eminence and put him in my life. he 's positioning his heart, and he 's saying, listen you 're everything." That's kind of the gospel in a nutshell all the way through right from the very beginning. Adam and Eve putting him first. He was everything. He was preeminent. It was just loving him, spending time with him. Everything was wonderful until they made an adjustment in their hearts and said, no, well, hold on a minute. Maybe it was a we, it was a count here. Let's just, let's put our, put us in that place and let's just uh, eat from that tree because it sounds like a great idea. And then as soon as that happened, there's a shift and a change, whatever, and he's no longer in that preeminent place. Friends, everything goes left and order goes out. And so it's a whole journey of just this preeminence of Christ. Right from the very beginning, you can uh, read it. uh, Exodus 13, verses one, reading from verse one. That's why I love the Word of God. You need to be reading the Word of God. And when I'm throwing out scriptures, I don't have time to read them this morning. But just to read them and understand, God said that every single firstborn, whoever opens the womb first, It's mine. Not hey, listen. We can negotiate. We can have a look. He just said it's mine. Why is it mine? Because I'm first. Oh, don't you want to come outside and have a look? Oh, so beautiful our little lambs. Look there, the little you is busy going to have her first little lamb. It's so beautiful. Come look on, man. Let's pick it up by the legs. Shh, shh. It's the Lord. The Bible says, your child is watching that. First, he's thinking, whatever that lamb did, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) No, he's not. What he's watching is he's going, what? Hey, don't mess with dad. What's going on here? And it says he will grow up, and then you need to sit him down and tell him, son, let me tell you a story. See, I I wasn't always a farmer. I didn't always own a bunch of lambs. I was a slave. But God. And so we give Him first. Have you ever wondered why in Egypt they killed the firstborn? Why did God kill the firstborn? Because in Egypt, the hierarchical system of Egypt the firstborn was the authority and the inheritor That's why they freaked out they let the slaves go and they freaked out oh we can't because there's an order here we first they slaves That's why it's no coincidence when they began to sing songs they said now the horse and the rider have been thrown into the sea the horse and the rider, slavery and the authority is all gone. There's only one, it's him. Do you know when um, Cain and Abel came and brought the offering to God? When they came and brought the offering to God, it says, oh, he accepted Cain's, uh, uh, Abel's, he rejected Cain's. You God, go, oh, shame. But if you read there very closely, you'll you'll see there that it says, in the course of time, Cain came along. Doesn't say nothing about first. It just says he came along and said, Here, yeah, here's some. God is not a respecter of uh, corn farmers and sheep and, uh, farmers. Doesn't matter. But when it came to Abel, he said he brought his firstborn. Isn't that amazing? Don't you find it fascinating that when they went into the promised land, Jericho, God said, is mine. Why Jericho? But lots of cities, It was the first. And it's interesting, he said, you don't touch anything from Jericho, you bring it into my house. He didn't say, give it, he said, bring it. That's why we bring the tithe, we don't give the tithe, because it belongs to him but we give him first. Damien, Matt, you wanna come? Um, Connor, come. I need a person. Let me use a quick illustration. I just wanna use it quickly. Three of you, just stand over here. Okay, just think of it like this, the three of you. Okay, Matt, Damien, Connor. So I say, listen, um, I love my wife. She's precious to me. And, um, but I need to go away for a while. So I'm going to go for, go away for a while. I'm going on a, on a trip. And uh, so I'll be away for a while. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, give you Matt 10,000 Rand. And I'm going to give you Damien 10,000 Rand. I'm going to give you Connor 10,000 Rand. And what I'm asking is that you give a uh, thousand Rand every single month to my wife. And you give a thousand Rand to my wife. And Connor, you give a thousand Rand to my wife. So she can be taken care of. And then I'm, Away and life is going on, whatever. And then I phone my wife, how are you going? Are you all right? Doing taken care of? And she goes, Yeah, yeah, no. Matt, every single month he gives a thousand rand. And Damien, every single month he gives two thousand rand. It's like two thousand rand, but I only asked for one thousand rand, but he gave (laughs) two thousand rand. Wow, that's really nice. And Connor, how's Connor doing? Whatever. And she goes, No, we need to talk about him. He, he gave me 700 rand the first month. Then he gave me 300 rand the second month. And now he, he just doesn't give me anything. You see, God takes tithing a lot more serious than you do. Because it's not about money. It's about the first. So I guess what I do because you see the church is his bride so I say you know what I'm going to take your money and I'm going to give it to Damien because he gives 2000 now you can get angry at me and go oh, what's the story it's in the Bible by the way you guys can sit down <laughs> I was going to choose you, Grant, but I thought it's safer with Connor. One might go, I do not. <laughs> so what am I trying to illustrate? What am I trying to share? I'm just talking about the principle of the 1st I'm talking about God being first. I'm talking about God being preeminent in our lives. I'm talking about where do we get to a place where it's fine, it doesn't matter because we're born again and we love Jesus and we're full of grace that we can kind of do whatever we want and we can just bring whatever we want? Because Malachi is in the Old Testament. This is not about New Testament, Old Testament. This is about the principle of the first. This is about the principle of God being God. Amen. This is about of us making the adjustment in our hearts and lives. Do you know that when you understand the principle of the first, if I had a, a thousand rand here this morning and I had 10 100s, which one is the tithe? First of all, how much is the tithe? It's 100 rand, right? Which one is the tithe? It's the first. It's the first one that leaves my hand. God's not... Hectic about, oops, deputy order came off first before I managed to release my tithe. But it's it's here. See, because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. See, he's more concerned about what is our treasure. So it's the principle of the first in our hearts and in our lives. And first is when he takes full preeminence. I love, I mean, I use it all the time. I've preached it so very often. I love uh, John chapter 15. I love that Jesus, we're no longer servants, but he calls us friends. But I wanna just remind you that if you, re, if you listen to the verse before, he says, I call you friends. He says, those who obey my word are my friends. I no longer call you slaves. I call your friends. You see, when Jesus is in Matthew 28, verse 18, he's now gonna leave and he's giving a, a declaration uh, to us, a mandate, a commission as the, a lot of the guys have kind of uh, uh, spoken about as, as it was a commission when he left. He said, all authority has been given to me. Woo, preeminence of Christ, all authority. But he says, now I want you to go and I want you to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. There was a teaching to obey all. A a, a follower of Christ is somebody who puts him preeminently first and who obeys. That's who's a friend of Jesus. That's why when we talk about Savior and Lord, friends, they are not separate. They are one and exactly the same. When they were speaking in the Bible, remember, we've gotta remember the lies that are preached, the lies that are, are spoken over the people of God, subtly to cook the frog and to heat up the water, friends, is the understanding, whatever, that to give your life to Jesus is just to raise your hand. I remember that day I came, Oh, I had such goosebumps. It was so all over me. I came to the front, or I raised my hands and I said a prayer, or I said something to the Lord. It's not in the Bible. Do you know that salvation is not a decision? Find it in the Bible. Salvation is not a decision, friends. On the, on the 1st of, of uh, January this year, I stood up and I said to Jane, whatever, you know what I'm gonna do this year? I'm gonna have the greatest body you've ever seen this year. I am going to gym and I'm gonna go every single day, five days a week. It's so, like, whoo! and I went to gym and uh, that first week was powerful. And then since then, I think I have been five times. I made a decision, I was sincere. See, people come and they stand before an altar, before God, they stand before a man of God and they say, I do for better and for worse. It's a decision. I didn't really mean the worst part. See, salvation is not a decision, friends. They were cut to the heart. They said, what must we do? What must we do? And he said, repent. And be baptized. See, what's baptism? Oh, it's a thing they do in the church, whatever. You just go there, they throw you in a swimming pool, lift you out, whatever. It's cool, just, if you wanna get a certificate or if you wanna be part of that church, you just gotta do that thing. Friends, read this. It wasn't some little ritual that they did. It was a dying to self. When they went into the water, they left their old life behind. See, if you're a Muslim out there today, they understand this because they don't just make flippant commitments because it costs them everything. It costs them their community, their family. They are completely ostracized and they are kicked out. See, when you get born again, you die to self and you're raised again and he becomes my Lord and Savior and he becomes my everything. And I turn from where I was going and all the way I was thinking and I begin to walk into journey and I learn how to obey and how to honor him because as I honor him and obey him, that's my friend, friends. But somehow we just think under grace and Jesus we saved, all well, it's fine. We can just keep coming to church, throw in the offering, whatever we feel like, and He still loves us. It's still all beautiful, like it doesn't matter. It does matter, friend, because He's Lord and He's King, and He doesn't tolerate a competition. He's either first or he's not first, and if he's not first, he's not going to compete. Just ask yourself a simple question as Jane is my wife, whatever, and I'm using the other way around, but that's because I'm standing here as a man. But Jane, my wife I say, Jane, I'm committed to you. I love you, what have you, but I just got these three other lovers. And don't worry, as I go along and journey, I will get rid of them slowly, but surely, but, but you are my number one. And she goes, high five, awesome. That's really beautiful, I'm in. <laughs> See, that's how we treat God. High five, it's awesome, I'm in. Doesn't matter that you got other lovers. It does matter to God and he is very serious that he is number one and that you stop your lovers and it doesn't mean that you might have a little wobble or whatever and that, no, oh, it's disastrous. No, but you, he is your number one. That's what's called repentance, change the way I think. So in our journey, this isn't heavy on us, we can't make mistakes, whatever. It's not a tightrope, it's a heart matter. He's my treasure, he's my everything. It's the illustration in the Bible of a man who's going along whatever in the field and suddenly he finds this incredible treasure that he goes off and he sells everything so that he can go and buy the field, friends. It's illustration of the church today that we go, we buy the field, we buy everything. It's my all, nothing belongs to me. It's all about him, he's first, whatever his preeminence, whatever he wants to do. Friends, by me paying my house first. The house cannot do anything for me. It gives me some nice little shelter and what have you. You're talking about the preeminence of Christ, yeah. When I give him first, friends, he can do anything. But let me honor everything else and then come and say, God, you need to do this miracle for me. And of course, oh, we know he's such a wonderful, cuddly God, he'll just do the miracle for you. Friends, read your Bible. He's Christ, the preeminent one. Don't just take whatever I'm sharing this morning, read your Bible from cover to cover, every single word in here, you'll get a great understanding. Friends, just take, I'm on a journey, just take every single red letter in the Word of God, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, every single red letter and read the word about Jesus Christ. You will get the shock of your life because all the church preaches is that he cuddles a bunch of sheep. The Jesus life, I don't even read that he cuddled a bunch of sheep, but I'm sure he did because he loved sheep. And he said, little children, come unto me. I'm sure he was a cuddler, but let's not get the cuddler out of context here. Because friends, right now, as I'm, I'm coming to you, I'm coming to you as a shepherd, I'm coming to you as a loving father of this house, trying to nurture and bring the people together and say, listen, it's a time right now where we can have a salon, on, make an adjustment, friends, but it's a time coming when He's gonna come as judge. And when He comes as judge, friends, those are not eyes you wanna look into and go and feel a cuddle moment. You see, I can ask you a question this morning and I can say this, and only you will know, God. You see, we, we're great. <laughs> we're great at hiding, friends. The heart is wicked, it's deceptive. We're great at just, I say, listen, whoa, I'm, I'm so longing for Jesus to come, come back, to come and, come and fetch us. Everyone's going, whoa. Yeah, we're coming. No, actually inside of you, you're going, dear God, no. I don't want him to come back right now. And I'm saying, friends, we have a sailor moment. We just got to check our hearts out and say, is he Lord? Is he in control? How do I live my life? Because when I stand up there, friends, all the other filters, I'm gonna fall away and there's one filter and it's the kingdom of God. Like if he gave me a million rand today and I said before the Lord, million rand, I've always wanted a Ferrari. I don't want a Ferrari, I'm just using an illustration. I think it's a complete, absolute waste of money. Especially on these roads as we drive on. But anyway. But if I said, listen, you know what? I can, you can do whatever you want, whatever. And I I'm gonna buy a Ferrari. When I stand before him one day, the filters, the kingdom of God, I'm gonna live with regret. Because what I could have done with a million, when I stand before God, I don't care how I drove that Ferrari all over South Africa and whatever. I'm just thinking, I could have given you a million rands for the kingdom. See, all the filters are gonna go and they're just gonna be that one, it's just a kingdom. I'm gonna live with reward, I'm gonna live with regret. Because he's Lord and he's king, and when I stand before him, listen, friends, understand when you stand before him one day, you talk about Isaiah, he was a prophet, a prophet of God, who was encountering God, hearing God. When he stood before God, he said, woe is me. Let me see, can this ground swallow me up, push my head as far as I can into the ground? He is so amazingly glorious and holy. It's not a flippant thing that we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who's an amazing, amazing Savior, but He's also Lord, which means He's in control of my life, which means when I come to church, friends, I've gotta ask myself some very real questions and make sure, is my life, am I positioning myself that I'm getting closer to Him? I've been challenged in the last little while, I was challenged again this morning, illustrations. I love Courtney. She's so, I miss her dearly. But she's so enjoying Mexico, she's so enjoying walking in the destiny God has for her. And as a father, you just go, there's no greater joy. Ooh, that is so beautiful. And I've got Casey. And I've got Connor who's now married. to the most amazing wife. And, and Jess and, and they, they've got their own family. And, and I've got Casey. And I wake up this morning and, and Casey's like, she's getting ready and she's asking me questions. Daddy, do I look nice and all that's wonderful? And I go, yes, you look beautiful. And she's, and she's doing all her things and saying, Dad, what do you think? What do you think? I'm... It's awesome. But now I'm running around, I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff, trying to get whatever. And she's, I come through to the lounge she's sitting there on your iPad. And um, I can hear Lily, we've got three dogs and one of them, Lily, she's really, when she gets hungry, she comes in irritating. So she's, she's at the front door. I want food, you know. And, and um, Casey goes, you know what? Um, she makes such a noise there. Eh? So I've spoken to her like three or four times, stop making a noise, stop making a noise. So I said to her, did you ever think actually to feed her? (laughs) Like just carry on playing on your iPad. Like I I spent there, I looked, I said, Daddy, how do I look? And I'm all ready, yes, it's all great. And now I'm sitting on my iPad. But did you think maybe that also there's a bigger picture here and that daddy's trying to do a whole bunch of stuff now must also feed the dogs. Did you not think to just feed the dogs? She went, oh oh, okay. But I, I, did, I shouted at her for being naughty and for making a noise. And I felt like, wow, that sounds like the church. See, we come to church and it's a family. And I don't sit with my family when they're first and small and Whenever I say, guys, it doesn't matter. You guys can stay as long as you want in this house and uh, you can just live in the house and be all, or I just, you know, you've got a nice little house, I'll just cuddle you and you'll have fun or whatever. No, from the time that they were small, I'm developing them, I'm training them, I'm teaching them so they can mature and so they can become independent, so they can get their own jobs, so they can provide, so they can get married, so they can uh, have their own kids, and, right? It's a bit of a sick kind of situation as you're just raising up your kids to stay kids, Right? Right? So when we get born again, and then we're born again now for years and years and years, but we're still coming along as kids. Not a good picture, right? Because often we believe lies. We we come to church because that's where we get fed. That sounds like a two-year-old. If that's all you do when you come to church is to get fed, you're still a baby. That's what babies do. They just come to get fed. Give me food. See, that's what Paul was sharing. He was saying, listen, guys, I mean, coming to church, coming to church, but you're not maturing. You're not growing up. I mean, feeding you milk, but it's time now I want to give you some meat. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but I can't give you meat because you still need milk because you haven't matured, you haven't grown up, you're still sitting there, he says, he goes on to say, you're saying some is Apollos, some is Paul on this, that and the other. So there's, there's division, there's divisiveness that's going on, there's arguing, whatever, that's a little, that's a child. Those are childish things, that's acting mere human. That's what a little child does. I love, we go to Ben and Sal's, whatever, and we play with the twins, whatever, and that's what I expect from the twins. We don't share, it's mine. It's like, let's have a fight, it's a, it's, no. And I'm, I don't, you can't have this, and I'm going to, sh- no, what are you doing? And let's see if I can irritate you. And it's childish things, right? It's great as a two year old, but it's not so good at a 16, 18, or 20 year old. It's like breastfeeding. <laughs> it's really good at a two year old or one year old or whatever. It's not so good at a six year old or eight year old or a 10 year old, right? <laughs> right? Right? Well, we've got to mature and we've got to grow up. Why? Because that's how we were created. That's what God wants for every single one of us. God wants us now to be able to teach and to train our own kids. So I'm asking myself this question, I'm saying, okay, so Lord, we've gone on a journey as 24 seven and now we're gonna have this beautiful inheritance and this piece of land and I'm saying, Let's have a re look at that whole thing and let's just say, how can we do this and do this well? I'm not wanting to build something to just move the crash across there. See, what I'm asking you this morning is that you've got to ask yourself a simple question. I'm not judging anybody, I'm asking you to ask yourself a simple question Do I just still come to church to be fed? Or have I learned to feed myself? Do I come to church to help feed others? Do I come to church to train others? Do I come to church to impart? Do I come to church to encourage? Have I brought some of my own kids to church? See, I don't want us to get a whole bunch of home group leaders. I want to develop fathers and mothers who will nurture people, not just I'm gonna take care of these guys and I'll facilitate this group and make sure they're fine. A, these are my kids. See, that's a picture of the church. You see, it's, it's fascinating in this model that we've created of church life, that it's built around a personality. And so the personality, at the end of the day, has to do or provide whatever, that's just how it's built and it never matures the church. See, I wanna take, we've got 60 people. I wanna take 60 people into their destiny. I want those 60 people to grow this church to 600 because those 60 people, will each one will get 10 saved and get a, a family of 10 that they're nurturing, that they're teaching, that they're training, that they're equipping, that they're taking care of, that they're loving. And those 600, can you imagine the community of 600 that now will get community of 6,000? That it would be sad if at six thousand we go back to hold on these handful of guys that are personalities, because what's happening is when you get to the mega churches, or whatever, it's great that we stand there and clap for the fifty or the hundred that got saved. But it's a disgrace that out of six thousand, only fifty or hundred got saved. That's not a that's not a successful model. That's a disgrace because of the model. It's not the biblical model. The biblical model is us maturing and growing as a family that we can take care of one another because Christ is preeminent and Christ is first, amen. So when I looked at that, I thought to myself, well, when I started church, what was my my passion? What was my heart for church? My heart for church is I really need to get sharp because I wanna be able to preach the word on point. I need Jane to get sharp because I wanna have worship on point. And then we do need some people to take care of the the kids, whatever, and that's what church is all about. Then I read two scriptures. I need to make this preach legal. If we go to John chapter 17 just very quickly. So I'm gonna read you John chapter 17. Not the whole chapter, so relax. Let's read from verse 22. The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Wow. For the world to know that you sent me, for the world to know that the Father sent Jesus and that the Father loves them just as much, He's asking us to become one. So he's not asking for a church that has great worship. He's not asking for a church that has a great preach. He's not asking for a church that has great children's ministry or great projects. What he's asking for is a church that's one, perfectly one. They demonstrate the love of God so wonderfully, so beautifully, they're all together in this, the early church, no needy one amongst them. No one thought anything was their own, but they were all together in it. They were all working and operating as one unit. And when that was happening, friends, then the world's looking on going, now I know that Jesus was sent from God. Now I know that God loves me. That's the way you build and that's the way you establish a church. Philippians chapter one, If you shoot across to Philippians chapter one, let me just read you the scripture. Philippians chapter one, verse 27. Only let your manner of life, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side, side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, Woo! wow. Let's just read that again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You put him first. Friends, if you had to take a scale here this morning and you had to put the gospel on this side, let your your, your life be found worthy, it means it's gotta be found worthy. Oh no, I just, I give him the half an ear sheep and the blind one and I, I just come and I give him whatever I feel like. He doesn't mind, he loves me, I'm his friend. Let your life be found worthy of the gospel. Uh, Jesus said, I'm prepared to lay down my life. The father says, I'll give you everything. I'll give you my firstborn. While you were yet sinners. There's no guarantee here. These guys are pitiful sinners, but I'm going to actually give my son as a tithe. I'm going to release my son with a trusting that there's going to be a miracle I'm going to get a harvest. That my life be found worthy of the gospel so that whether I come or go or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, all one linked together, arm in arm, standing together, one spirit, one mind, serving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. No fear, side by side, we're working together. We're in this thing together. We're, we're, we're arm in arm, we're striving for the, for the gospel, for the faith of the gospel. We're, we're one together. And when we're one together and we're doing this, then it says that the world will look on and it will actually be, uh, 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 an ex- uh, to them a sign of their destruction? How many of the world unsaved people are looking at the church today going, a oh, well, sign of my destruction? Half the world and half the church don't even believe in hell anymore. Because we're not one, friends. We're not operating as one unit. We're operating as independently as with this great uh, personality that we all come to and it's great, let him go and do this stuff and then I'll get what I need and go and do my thing, friends, and then not my oneness. The world is not understanding that it's, it's on a road to destruction, to hell. And half the church is scared. But when you understand this, friends, you're not scared. You you say the Bible, Jesus says to us, don't fear the person that can kill your body. Friends, if it comes and I get killed yet today, I don't fear that I get killed yet today because you can't kill me. I'd be more scared of the fact of somebody who can kill me and put my soul in hell. That's what Jesus said. Not me, Jesus said that. Yeah, there was a group of people that's one unit, loving one another, all together, focusing, striving together, one heart, one spirit, one mind for the gospel, for Jesus, who's King and who's Lord. And they had no fear. And when they have no fear, guess what happens? The world looks on and can see its destruction and it's a demonstration of their salvation. Oh, read that last part just so you get it again. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. See, that's the sign of your salvation. Not a blasé church that just comes in whenever they feel like it. Yeah, I'll come whenever we can now, I'm busy. I've got things on. When we've got Jesus who stands before people who say that and he simply says, what did you say? Say, no, listen, my father died. I've gotta go bury my father. And he says, let the dead bury the dead. That's not me, that's Jesus. And we come to church and we go, it's all very fine, went, I've got things on. I've gotta to go to the dam for a ski or I've gotta actually, I've gotta go do this. And Jesus' answer is, of course, yeah, cuddle. Give me a cuddle moment, oh. It's not in the Bible, friends. See, Jesus is, I, I, I gotta, we can't get to the meat until you're able to chew. Because the Bible says that he is the exact representation of God the Father. He said, if, John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is the Father we're talking about here. You've seen me, this is my nature, this is my character. Jesus comes to the earth now, he's gonna walk this life. Uh, Matthew chapter four, what does he do? He starts, I need to go and for 40 days I need to fast. The son of God needs to fast 40 days without food. And the enemy comes and confronts him and the devil comes and wants to challenge him, whatever, and he deals with the enemy. Listen, buddy, you shall worship the Lord, your God, only him. Bing, round one. Okay, understand Lord. It's about Him and Him alone. It's the way you defeat the enemy, principle of the first. Jesus is starting off His ministry, In Matthew chapter five. He's gathering a crowd. It's all really nice when you're gathering a crowd. Oh, and guess what? The scribes and the Pharisees are there. You know what? We're gathering a crowd, a crowd and it's nice, E news is here. And, uh, and all these guys, that, they can help me with my career. I need to preach really well. I need to actually do, whoo, spits a bit, pop veins, whoo, might get onto God TV and just, I've gotta do a great job here. Scribes and Pharisees, the guys that everyone goes, whoo, those looks are great, they're wonderful. And he turns in the middle of his preach and looks at them and he says, unless your righteousness is more than them, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He simply said, unless your righteousness is more than them, that you're not gonna go to heaven. That's how to influence and grow a crowd and encourage people and get a ministry. (laughs) That's Jesus starting off. And just in case we weren't, uh, he gets another crowd in Matthew chapter six and as he's got that crowd, he's ministering to them. He sees a whole bunch of them are really wealthy. And he says, you know what? You can't serve God and mammon. You gotta choose, buddy. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. Seek first the kingdom. Because the reality is, friends, God needs to be first. You can't serve both. Why can't you serve? We can serve both. Half the church is quite happy serving both. But Jesus, his words, and he's gotta be first in preeminence, teaching them to obey all that I commanded. Jesus said, you can't serve both. Because if you're gonna serve Jesus, he has to be master. Why? because money wants to be master. That's Jesus, friends. He's talking to a whole bunch of other people in chapter seven a little bit later and he's standing there and they're trying to argue about this, that, and the other. And he says, listen, many of you will come and you'll say, Lord, Lord. I did this in your name. I did that in your name. Yeah, no, I went to church, whatever. I started that project. I fed the, the, the poor kids there. I, I did the soup bowl. She says, Apart from me, I don't know you. This is Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I've got through about a 50th of the red letters. The same Jesus, friends, is having a doss in a boat and the boat's going along. And the next minute, water's coming in, whatever, and he's, nice. And they're going, the water's, we're gonna sink here. This this can't handle for all of us. We need to do something here. We need to speak to him. He stands up and he just commands. The winds and the waves and the sea, be still. Why were you afraid? And they sit there and they marvel and they go, who is this man? The winds and even the water, they obey him. It's Jesus, scary Jesus. Woo. The boat goes to the other side and as they get out onto the land, there are two men there that nobody can even pass. They can't even go near them because they just get stuck, sticking. they get clapped silly. These oaks are demon possessed, they are wild. And as he gets out the boat to walk, whatever these men come running up to him, they say, son of God, why are you here? You come to torment us before our time. The demons are shuddering, shuddering. The demons are going, what? What are you doing here? It's before even they know, the demons. And Jesus cast them out into the pigs. You know the story, whatever. And they go off to tell the village and the village comes out, go read it. It's a phenomenal story. The village comes out and they say, depart from us. Get away from this region. Have you read that? You'd think they go, woo, yeah, come on, baby. who, hey, how's this guy? Whoa, he's powerful. No, why did they say depart from him? Because he's not just somebody you to play with. I can't just carry on with my little life here. I can't just carry on just doing my little pig, little sh- pig star here. Because, whoa, he, cal- he calms winds and waters. Demons tremble. They know who he is. When he comes into my environment or my region, I bow. That's my Jesus. Woo. I could go on and on and on, friends. If you go to Luke chapter 14, I'll end with Luke chapter 14. I'm landing. I have to land because I've run out of breath. <laughs> How many of you know I'm not shouting at you? I'm stirring your hearts up. I'm going, we don't want to, we don't want we we don't want to play church anymore. I don't want to build something just where is a church? We've got to honest, ask ourselves honestly before God now as we're sitting here today. I've been coming to church a long, 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 long time. Am I still a baby? Am I still just coming to be fed? Am I still like Casey where I'm sitting there, whatever, and that? And, I'm sorting out my own life, but don't worry about the, the, the bigger picture. It's just me, whatever, I just come to me, And yes, I told him, you know, Mrs. so So-and-so, she came, I said to her, no, you need to keep quiet. You, you, you being, you're just making an irritating noise now. No, I tell you what, you need to go to the pastor and get your life sorted out. That's a baby. Come and say, listen, no, come sit down, so-and-so. I'm gonna take you for a little tea. I'm gonna share and impart to you. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna nurture you because I've learned to feed myself. I've learned to be nourished myself. This is Jesus. John chapter, um, Luke chapter 14, Jesus, verse 21. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow! Great crowds are following him. Whatever good opening line, Jesus. <laughs> really good. That will invite. That you'll get invited to God TV with that kind of message. The first thing he wants to say this great crowd that's following him, he's saying, "Listen, guys, I need to be first. I understand family. I understand. I, I put all that in place. Read the whole word. I understand all of that. But I'm, I've got to be higher." I've got to be more great authority than your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your whole family. If, if I'm not preeminent in number one, I, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, friends. So when your mind is sitting there and you're getting all in your head, you want every part of you is wanting to move to cuddle Jesus, so I can feel it. wanna get the excuse, let's run, let's find the excuse. We can find it, we've got lots of scriptures. Let's find it in our minds quickly so we can escape from this truth so it's not in the Bible. Yes, and even his own life. These not, are that's not small words, they're not hate, his own life. Cannot be my disciple, you cannot be his disciple. And then uh, for the sake of quickly time, I want to quickly say this. And then he goes on to tell a story and he tells about the guy that's, um, you know, if you're gonna go against a big army and uh, you go back and you, or you're building, building something and you have to sit and take stock, how much gonna cost to build it less when you're half, halfway through, you run out of money and you, 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 you're gonna go against this big army and it's quite big, whatever. And if you don't, uh, uh, you know, you're gonna skirk, whatever, and you're gonna run away. What's he saying? Friends, it's all the same Illustration: The same talk that he's trying to share. What he's trying to say is that you can't now put your hand up and say yes to me, and then halfway through go, "Flip! That's a big army. I'm out of here." You've got to say, "No, we've got to stick together." I'm not afraid. You can kill me, but I'm coming against you. And then he does an illustration which scares the living daylights out of all of us. says you can be salt. But if salt loses its flavor, think about it. Does it matter how big the pile is? It's church of salt, it's fine. No. <laughs> Let me read it to you. I often forget that we need to actually just read the word as it it is sometimes. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. You see, friends, if salt loses its saltiness, you can't even put it on the ground. And the ground, at least the ground brings, it grows things. But you put salt on it and it just mucks up the ground. And it's so, if it doesn't have any saltiness, friends, the reality is even a manure pile. There's a picture in that. Even a manure pile, you can't even put salt in a manure pile, it's gonna muck up the manure. So if you've got a bit of salt and then you're just putting on, it's lost its salt, this big pile, friends, it's just a pile of salt. Friends, it's no good us as a church. We, ooh, we wanna take these 60 people now, we may wanna make us 600 because we've got a legacy and we're gonna go there, friends, I don't care how big the pile is if it's just got no flavor. It's no good having a building and 5,000 or 6,000 people in it if it's got no saltiness. Right? So we as the people of God are gonna say, okay, what are you trying to say, Lord? Apart from having salt all over the place. Is, the reality, friends, is we've got to ask ourselves some very real questions of why we gather together and what we're trying to build and what we're trying to establish. And is He Lord? Because the Bible tells me there's a whole different way. Church isn't about how good the band is. Church isn't about how good the preachers. Church isn't about how, how good the children's ministry is. Church isn't about how many projects we've got. Church is about, oh, we one? Love lived out. Church is about a demonstration of one mind, one heart, together in this. Has God become Lord? If he hasn't become Lord, let's not let us deceive ourselves anymore. Let's go before him. Let's cry out and let's say, God, cut me to the heart because I don't wanna stand before you one day. I don't want anybody here to stand before the Lord one day. And I'm saying this categorically, a cry of my heart. I don't want any of you to deceive yourselves and stand before him one day. And he says, I don't even know you. You were born again? I wanna tell you, friends, to be born again, friends, is to surrender your life and make him Lord. That's his number one. That means he has preeminence and he says whatever he says goes. And then I go to his word and I listen to Jesus because he's a beautiful, cattle God, but he's also Lord. And I boldly come before his throne because I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, absolutely. And I can talk to my God, but I understand the protocols and understand who he is and understand what he is in my life. He is everything. It never changes that, friends. I don't come blase ever. No casualness in the kingdom, friends. So I'm encouraging every single one of us saying, okay, let's pull this thing together as a church. And let's say first and foremost, we are taking a sailor moment out to make sure that he is Lord. The principle of the first, he is first, friends. Friends, why? Does he use illustration of money all the time? He uses illustration of money because it's the greatest way for you and I to tell whether he is first. It's not about money and a big tussle about money and grand, it's about money because you get paid by the church and this, that, and the other, oh, for goodness sake. Stop being nursing babes and mature up that God is wanting your heart. But he knows that your treasure and your heart, they go together. And then at the end of the day, friends, when we align ourselves with Him, it enables Him to work miraculously, powerfully, and wonderfully. And every single one of us wanna see God do amazing things in our lives. And it's not tied into money, it's tied into your heart. I didn't say it, Jesus said your heart's tied into a treasure. I didn't give that illustration, Jesus did. The point of the whole illustration here with the three guys is first and foremost, God gave them the 10,000. Right? So it wasn't even theirs. There's a good starting point. But Grant, I built up everything that I have right now. I did it, I I, I went to varsity, I got my career, I, I got my salary, I did this, I bought this, I was wise. Okay, you you stand before God one day and you tell Him that. Because I'm not here to try and convince you. I'm here to just tell you the Word of God. And I'm breathing. Oh, thank you, Lord. I got another breath. Because He allowed me to. Because He's Lord. And He's so amazing. There's such a freedom in God. You know, we want to talk about the freedom. Freedom only comes when you surrender. <laughs> so I'm telling us as a church what God is wanting to do right now. Before I can go into Colossians, because I wanna talk about the preeminence of Christ. I don't want it to be a tag on again. Oh, the preeminence of Christ, wow. Look what Jesus can do for us. Now look what Jesus can do through you. Mightily and powerfully. Because as Gavin was saying, there are people here crying, hurting, difficulties, situations. We want God to miraculously break in, bring healing, bring deliverance, bring miracles, bring signs and wonders, do things, bring finances, bring all those kind of things, but not at the cost. And God's fine with it. See, I have a problem with that theology. I don't find it in the Bible. He's not fine with it, friends. Jesus wasn't fine with it. He said, deny yourself. You wanna follow me? Deny yourself. Where's the first point? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. For Every single one of us here today, it's to make him Lord. If he's not Lord, make the adjustment. If you stood in this church and you lifted your hand and you made a a prayer and whatever, now you think you're saved, but your life has not changed, there's no fruit of it. He's not Lord of your life. I wanna challenge you this morning. I'm gonna say, go back, ask the Lord because it's not a decision because the heart can be wicked. God, but I was sincere about it. I say, yes, I was sincere about the gym decision as well. It's not about decision, it's the fruit that I walked. I obviously wasn't. A life that's laid down, friends, bears forth the fruit that's in the Bible as well. And I know it's quiet, and I know I'm shared a very hard word. That's why I said weightiness on the word. But it's the word. It's not me, it's the Word. And I wanna encourage you, it is our default. I love Jesus, I love sitting and watching Him with this beautiful, serene uh, smile on His face while He's stroking the sheep or the little lamb. I love all of that, but you've gotta preach the whole counsel of God. Jesus is the most amazing, loving Savior, but He also is Lord. Shall we stand? I honestly wish I could just lay hands on people's heads and just say, Lord, but I really, this is not, a, not something that you can lay hands on people's heads and it just automatically happens. This is, this is a cry of the heart. This is a shift. This is a change. This is a, this is a cut to the heart moment that God's giving us as the people of God. God's giving us as a church. The word of the Lord that came and the song that was sung, even as it come, it, as Sal was singing it, was coming low. Come on, we, we gotta we gotta understand that God's just not gonna. Hey, it doesn't matter who you are, what blase you are, whatever you do. Pooh, you can have my glory. Come on, we're not that stupid. We've got to know that God's gonna, only going to, those that he trusts, those that he knows that made him Lord, he's first, whatever he says, I do. Father, we just take a moment out, just position your hearts. It's your your heart, I can't change your heart. I just ask you to position your heart. So I do wanna pray and I wanna ask the Lord to help us this morning. As I was cut to the heart, I just, I spent the whole week just saying, God, I don't wanna just be so relaxed and I don't want just these cuddle moments. I don't want, it's just, oh, it's so nice. And and I believe in relationship, friends. I believe God wants to be the closest to us, you can be as close as you want to be. One of the uh, people, Nolene, was sharing with me and she was just saying, you know, about the different disciples. And, and you know, you think of uh, Peter, James, and John, mm. how close they were to Jesus, and the others weren't as close. And, and you, did Jesus, was he selective? Were well, those the three? And I'm like, no. Who, I, I, however close you want to get, God, God wants you close because He loves you and he, he calls you friend. He wants you to be His friend. But He says, friends actually are people where I'm first. So Father, I, I, wanna, I wanna come before you and stand on behalf of the church and the congregation and I wanna come in low, Lord. I wanna humble my heart, Lord. I don't wanna be arrogant sitting there going, oh, I don't believe this and God loves me just as I am. I don't believe he needs that or that or that. I can do whatever I want. I, I, don't, I wanna come before you this morning and I wanna stand on behalf of the whole congregation and say, God, we bow our knee because we want more, more of your glory, Lord, more of your power, Lord God. Father, there's a world out there that's crying out needing miracles, our families need miracles. Lord God, we need healings, we need manifestations of the glory of God. We need, we need you. We need you. And I don't wanna be sitting here just blasé going, Lord, so you need to do what you need to do and I don't have to do anything except just stand here and, I wanna make the adjustment, Lord. So I pray today, Lord God, that every person who's sitting here, is sitting here not by accident. Every single person that's heard, Jesus said, those that have ears to hear, let them hear. You've got ears this morning or you haven't got ears. You've either analyzed and overanalyzed in your brain and you've let the seed fall on hard soil. You found every reason and excuse why he's not Lord or why he's actually Lord, but I don't really do what I should as him as Lord. Or you can humbly just stand before him and say, God, I repent. I don't take any of this lightly. I was born for such a time as this, Lord God. I know my frailties and I know my limitations. And right now I'm needing the miraculous power and preeminence of Christ to be made manifest through my life, to my family, to my work, to my environment, to the people around me, to this nation. because I really do believe this nation is needing the church to arise. Not a half-baked, selfish, ignorant church, but the true church of Jesus Christ. That as we are one, as Christ is one, we would, there will be such conviction, friends, on people's lives, they'll come running to the church. I need what do I do? I need to I need to make right with my life. Friends, we need those days back. And it's it doesn't start with what's going on outside there. It doesn't start with oh, look what's happening out in the world. It starts with look what's happening in the church. We need to become of one heart, one mind, and no fear. Do you know something fascinating in the Bible? Go and read it in Revelations 21. I think it's around the verse eight, nine, around there. Do you know that it talks about sorcerers and idolaters and uh, detestable, the detestables, and it talks about murderers and it talks about um, uh, sexually immoral and all those things. They're not, gonna, they're not gonna enter the kingdom of heaven. And you go, yeah, that makes sense. Of course that makes sense. But you know the two things that are thrown in there? which have never made sense and challenge every single me to the core and challenge everybody to the core, is He says, cowards and liars. Do you know that cowards and liars, do you know there's no cowards in heaven? And there's no liars in heaven. I'm not talking about that you, may, you lied or that you were scared in some instance, I'm talking about cowards. Because you see, when you get born again, he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I say, Lord, I'm tired. I don't want to be a coward anymore. But I wanna put my hand up. When the enemy intimidates me and I look at my paycheck and I look at all the bills that I gotta pay, I don't wanna be fearful. I don't wanna be a coward. I wanna write out that tithe, deposits or that EFT, I wanna do that EFT. I don't wanna be back off anymore. I don't wanna be a baby. I don't wanna be just eating milk. I wanna grow up, I wanna be a mature adult. I don't wanna be divisive and arguing and having my opinion. I don't wanna be a person that just values my opinion above everything else. The whole world is saturated with people's opinions. Social media is about people's opinions. It's about having a face page so I can write all my opinion and what I'm about. It's about having an Instagram, uh, an account so I can put all my pictures and tell you all that I'm doing. It's about Twitter so that I can have my own opinion and comments. I say this morning, Lord, I wanna stop being a twit. I wanna stop having an opinion and I wanna bow my knee to you. I want you to be Lord. And I want you to reign over my life. I wanna make the shift, Lord God. I don't want to be scared because you've not given me a spirit of fear. I'm not afraid of anybody that can kill me. I'm more afraid of you, Lord, that not only can kill me, but you can cast my soul into hell. I don't want to be a liar, Lord God. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to stand here and con everybody and tell them, oh, I'm a great Christian. If inside, I'm nowhere. If inside, you don't even take Number third place in my life. I want to be real, Lord God. I want to be honest before you this morning. I want to say, God, I honestly love you with every part of my being. And I want to make the shift. And I want to put you back in your rightful place. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the end of that chapter, it goes on to say, You know why we can be so strong is because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? That Lord, when I make that shift in my heart, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't leave me alone. You give me Holy Spirit to now lead and guide me. You give me Holy Spirit to quicken me and to be my strength and to enable me. But I have to make the shift, Lord. Holy Spirit doesn't make the shift. I have to make the shift. And when I make that shift and make you Lord, Holy Spirit's able to work. So thank you today, Lord God, for this amazing group of people. I love this family, Lord. Honestly, i die for this family. Honestly, Lord God, I will continue for the rest of my life if I have to look after a creche. But I don't want to look after a creche. I want to look after a bunch of families. I want to look after a bunch of fathers and mothers who are gathering their own kids, who are teaching and training their own kids, who are growing in their giftings who are learning and practicing and discerning and go and read it, Hebrews 5, verse 12. You have to be involved, church. You have to be practicing. Do you know I was 13 years old when I was given my first group of people? 13 years old. I didn't even know what I was doing, 13. I brought Connor home to my house, I didn't know what I was gonna do with this little baby, I, don't, I didn't understand it. You, can't, you can read as many books as you want when you're holding the little child in your hands, friends. But God did it, Conor, it turned out great. God wants to entrust little children to you. In the kingdom, he says, don't worry, you'll figure it out. You'll take care of them, you'll nurture them, they'll grow, they'll develop. Lord, we don't wanna be babes anymore, we wanna be adults, we wanna grow up, we wanna mature. Church isn't just a place where you're fed, there's so much more. That's not the whole counsel of God. Yes, we get fed there, but also that's where we use our gifts, that's where we help, that's where we train, that's where we equip, that's where we encourage, that's where we develop, that's where we uh, impart, that's where we bring people and kids into that environment. So I'm just praying, Lord God, i said a lot this morning, but I'm just praying now, Holy Spirit, won't you come? Won't you come and hover over every single one of us? Won't you bring form to the weakness of my words, the frailty of my words, Lord God? Lord, that we would catch the heart, not be fighting and divisive over words, but the heart. Won't you come and have your way in our lives, God? Because God wants to take us places. God doesn't want you to be intimidated or fearful anymore. God wants to show forth His glory through you. Because we're talking about Jesus. It's the mystery. It's Christ in us. That's the hope of glory. Christ in you and I. Can you imagine the one who holds everything together, the one who everything, we were created, the Bible says in, in the beginning of Colossians, for Him. For him, don't underestimate those words, for him. We were created for him, by him, through him, for him. Oh Lord, won't you come and bring form to these words, please. That our life will not be the same as we go out from here. Never never again, Lord God, never loosely just deciding, not flippantly about what we're gonna do here, or there, but coming before you every single morning saying, God, Let your kingdom come and your will be done. What to do with my life? What to do with my time? What to do with my job? What to do with the people in my life? What to say, how to share, just how to love. Help us as a church to become one in Jesus' name. Will you do it by the Holy Spirit? I don't know else to pray, Lord, except I just cry out. Please don't let us go away, Father, just blase. are. whatever I've said this morning, please just go back to the word. Let our life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I ask this this morning in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I don't even wanna close the meeting. I... I just want to release people to go. I know some of you have appointments. Some of you have things to do. I understand that. But I don't want to just close something like this because it's too valuable to me. It's too valuable to people. But honestly, I want to say, church, I honestly, I love you with every part of my being. I don't wake up in the morning wanting to preach these things. Actually, without Jesus, I'm a really insecure man. I want to please people. I, wanna, I want people to like me but I gave that up when I gave my life to Jesus. I can't please people anymore. I gotta please God, I gotta preach what's the gospel. And I pray that in no way this morning am I diminished the love of God and how much He loves us and how much He wants to have a relationship and how much He wants to cuddle us. I just wanna preach the full counsel of God that He's, He's an amazing cuddler, but He's also an amazing Lord and a warrior and a commander. And he deserves our everything. And he is not satisfied because he's a jealous God with just half or a part. Friends, the principle of the first seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and the rest he'll take care of. Pray you have a good week. Lord, I pray you bless your people. I pray this week that they would encounter people's lives, share the gospel, get people saved, bring them to church, bring them to the family, pray they would bring them to home group and uh, encourage and just be such a light into the world and to be that salt, that beautiful salt. We were called to be salt and light, that saltiness that just brings flavor to people's lives that are rotting. You can just bring uh, redemption into their lives. Um, So I pray that we would be that and be the demonstration of all that you've called us to be, Lord God. But I thank you for the legacy of this church. I thank you for what you've called us to. I thank you for what we're stepping into, Lord God. My heart's desire is everyone gets across. Not one left behind. We all get across and step into that beautiful legacy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Please don't, if you're feeling Holy Spirit working in your heart, you don't have to rush off these times I don't really care about time I care more about my heart because Jesus does he cares about your heart not about time and I promise you this morning he does care about what's going on in your life if you're facing anything insurmountable there's nothing you can do in your own strength I promise you he wants to do a miracle Let him be Lord, church. Let him be king. Let him do what he does really well.